Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The text for our meditation today is the Old Testament lesson read from Isaiah chapter 60. You're welcome to look at that reading together with me, along with some other things from Isaiah and from our gospel lesson. Years ago, people would sometimes say, when they didn't know or understand something, or had some fears or uncertainties, I'm really in the dark about that. And in this first week of a new year, I'm sure we have a lot of excitement for what is ahead, but also maybe some darkness and uncertainty about our own lives and our own situation. We're in the dark about the political turmoil in our nation and what it's going to bring. We're in the dark about our economy, what's really going to happen to the stock market in 2019. We're in the dark about the new semester and how it will go for our students and our faculty and staff. Maybe we're in the dark, too, about some relationships in our own lives, family situations, our job, and illness, or other problems that we face. And we know deep down also our own weaknesses and sins and struggles and how few answers we have for all of those things that we face in the year ahead. No wonder our text for today says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. In fact, in Isaiah chapter, 20, chapter 59, just before our text, the chapter before, we have one of the most dramatic descriptions of the reality of being sinners in a sinful world, a dark and troubled world, with sinners just like us all around us. Listen to what Isaiah says from chapter 59 under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about his own people Israel in dark times. And notice how much it sounds like our own days in many ways. Again, you could read that chapter yourself and see that these words are actually there. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Sin separates us, all of us, from God on our own. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold darkness, for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon, as in the twilight. Among those of full vigor, we act like dead men. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. And we know our iniquities. Justice is turned back. And righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. And uprightness cannot enter. Imagine that. There was lying and fake news in Isaiah's time as well as people claim in our own day. Truth is lacking, Isaiah says, and he who departs from evil 
makes himself a prey. When people say and do and try to stand up for what is right, Isaiah says, they are the ones who are attacked as prey, as evil and bigoted and narrow-minded. Does that sound familiar to our own day? Now, sometimes Christian people are attacked for standing up what they really believe is true according to Scripture. And so Isaiah says, We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but that is far from us. It's a pretty dark and gloomy picture that Isaiah gives when we human beings are on our own, left alone, drifting far from God and His will. That was the situation for many people, even God's own people, uh, at that particular time. But in the midst of all of this talk about gloom and sorrow and trouble and sin, Isaiah also gives some of the, has the great privilege of sharing some of the greatest news of the Old Testament, good news of hope for people. He writes, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ears dull, that it cannot hear. The Lord knows, he says, our human condition. He knows us just as we are, with our strengths, but also our weaknesses and our sins. And he knows that we cannot rescue ourselves and solve all of our problems by ourselves, by our own power. And so Isaiah says, The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, no one to intercede, to rescue God's people. And then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. And God promises then, through Isaiah, a Redeemer will come to Zion. I'm going to send someone who will rescue God's people and call them to turn from transgression. And of course, God always keeps his promises when he gives them to us. Again, God said in Isaiah 59, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, referring to Isaiah, my words I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth from this time forth and forevermore. God's word will always be right and true. Human words are often unreliable, but God's eternal word is always true and was fulfilled when finally the Redeemer came, when the word of God made flesh, God's own Son, Jesus our Savior, was born for us as we just celebrated at Christmas and during the Christmas season. And today begins the Epiphany season where the God appears and makes it even more clear His word and His promises. And the prophecy of Isaiah in our text finally fits in. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but... This is the really good news. The Lord himself will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And this is good news, Isaiah says, not just for the people of Israel, but
but for all people in the world. The prophecy of Isaiah says, Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And that is, of course, exactly what happened in our gospel lesson for today. A mysterious light, a star appears in the east, and wise men, magi, came from far away to Jerusalem. They only know that somehow a king of the Jews has been born. Probably they knew from other Old Testament prophecies of a star and a kingly scepter from the book of Numbers and other scriptures that the Jews had carried with them and went to these nations from which the wise men came. And they believed God's word, somehow by God's grace, though they are Gentiles, not Jews, and when, when they come to Jerusalem, and they believe the word of God again, when the Jewish authorities tell them, as they look at the prophet Micah, that the Christ, the promised Savior, the one they're looking for, the Messiah, the anointed one from God, would come from Bethlehem as ruler and shepherd of God's people. And the wise men right away head for Bethlehem. They believe it. And the star, the light, appears again and takes them right to the place where the child Jesus was. They worship him with great joy, these non-Jewish people. And it's exactly as our text from Isaiah predicted. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. They brought gold, a gift worthy for a king. They brought incense, a symbol of their worship and prayers rising up to the Lord, an Old Testament kind of image. And they brought myrrh, which was really a prediction that this child Jesus, whom they were worshiping, was born to die one day in payment for their sins and the sins of the whole world, all the people in this dark and troubled and sinful world, including our own sins. And that this very body of Jesus would one day be anointed with myrrh in his death, as the New Testament tells us, before it would be raised in glory and light and victory at Easter for our sake. Yet sadly, many of the people at the time of Isaiah would not listen to all these words he was bringing to them from God about the seriousness of their sin, but also about the hope they could still have in God and his redeeming work and his promises of the Savior. And so many of those Jews stayed in the dark, hopelessly struggling against their problems and troubles and sins on their own. And sadly, when the wise men came in our gospel lesson, King Herod and the religious leaders of the day had the word of God right in front of them. They even quote from God's word, and they had the witness of the wise men who came this long distance to find this king. But not a one of them, at least from what the scriptures say, bothered to go to Bethlehem to see this child who had been born. They were only disturbed, and Herod eventually tries to kill that child later. They remained in the dark, on their own, far from the Savior who was actually so very close to them at that moment. But by the grace of God, 
we can be wise people. And our story can be that of the wise men that we heard about. Listen again to the really good news of our text. Some 700 years before Jesus came. Arise, shine, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord, it's God himself coming, has risen upon you. It's for you. We do not have to produce our own light and our own wisdom by ourselves. We don't have to solve all of our problems uh, with our own resources. And we know from scripture we can't rescue ourselves anyway. And that's precisely why Isaiah predicts that God will intervene. And he did, sending his own son as the light of the world and through his perfect life and his death in our place for our sins and his mighty resurrection, he, the God-man, has already done everything we need for a great hope and a great future as we trust in him. And personally, I think we know God has already been involved in many of our lives and could be in all of our lives through his gift of holy baptism. In our baptism, the scriptures say, we were brought from death to life. We were brought from darkness to light in our Savior and in his gift of faith to us. The psalmist David says of God, with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you. For many of us, God began that steadfast work at our baptism, and he continues to bless us and give us what we need. God does just what he promised. He gives us his word in all of its richness. And over the next eight weeks of the Epiphany season this year, as the Lord leads us to come and keep listening to him and his word, we're going to hear scripture after scripture after scripture that clearly identifies Jesus as the one who was promised, as the light of the world, and how he reveals his mighty words and deeds to us. And God gives us that word whenever we want to open our Bibles and take a look. And God gives us the gift of the Lord's Supper. It's not just bread and wine that we receive, but Jesus himself comes to us. The glory of the Lord Jesus rises upon us, And Jesus enables us to repent of our sins and be confident of his forgiveness and strength for us every time we receive that Holy Supper. And it's available to us so very often as God's people. And with the Lord's light and with all these gifts he gives, we can, like the wise men of old, begin our own journey in this year of 2019 with confidence. It was not easy for the wise men. It's not going to be easy for us. We don't know what this year is going to bring at times. And there is plenty of darkness all around us. And we still struggle with our own sins and dark days, even as believers. And yet we rise and we shine day after day as we trust our Lord and His promises. Not trusting ourselves, but the Lord and His promises And by his amazing grace, the Lord will arise upon us and his glory will even be seen, this prophecy says, upon us, in and through us. 
We don't, are not the light. We don't have the light on our own. But we can reflect the light that comes from Jesus. Imagine that. As we gather, as we're doing today, we reflect Christ's light to that. And we can do that week after week. And even to our family and friends and others as we share about Christ. And we trust Him. Whenever I hear the phrase in our text, Nations shall come to your light. These days I think about Purdue University. We have here at Purdue, not just Christians or Hoosiers or Midwesterners, but people from all over our country and all over the world. The last I knew there were students from over 120 different countries. That's a great majority of countries in the world right here at Purdue at this particular time. Many of them are not Christians, and we cannot send missionaries to many of the places from which these people come. But here they are, nations coming with an opportunity to see the light of Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity to reflect that light to others. I know it's true. As I mentioned, I was here at Purdue for 25 years working with students just like you. And there were numbers and numbers of students and others who came to believe in Christ and were baptized at University Lutheran or confirmed here. I know it happens. And much of the time, it was not from the pastor's work to begin with, but it was students just like you who invited a friend to worship or to an activity or a Bible study or something else or some group or, or organization. And that was the beginning as people then came to faith. And it often begins in those kinds of ways, or through your example and word, as a light for Christ in everyday life, the way you act as a student. It's God who does the changing of people. None of us can convert anyone, but God can, through his word and sacraments, as people are drawn close to him and can see the light of Jesus. What a privilege and an opportunity it is to be just a small part of his work in this, plot, this time and this place. Let us now arise and shine and pray together. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus only where we can be safe and confident about our future. But then let the light of Christ be reflected in our lives and through our lives to others. Bless us and care for us in the journey ahead in 2019. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask you to remain standing as we come to our Lord with other special prayers for this day.